Pop on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. I'm also sometimes Mr. Steve, YouTube storyteller. Be sure to check that out. It's a kid-friendly YouTube channel for strange kids and stranger adults. And then most of the time, I'm May Lynn, and I'm a woman, and that's exciting. I haven't yet perfected the voice, as you can tell. Still have this ridiculous voice, but uh, we'll work on that. Bunny, you look but, good. But, but are you ever going to be a taco again? Oh, I'm, a absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Bunny, you're looking good. You look like something that crawled out of Godzilla's asshole. One of my new favorite movie lines of all time from this week's film... The 2009 movie Christmas on Mars by the band The Flaming Lips. And we yes. will be getting to that in the back half of our show. Wait, Excite wait, wait. You, you liked it? Uh, okay, this is my basic review. A lot of times you watch some B-movie from the 1950s and the 1960s and you're laughing at the ridiculous monster and the horrible special effects and the bad sets and the horrible soundtrack. But then eventually you realize this isn't a, stu a studio film. This is just a bunch of people who want to make a movie who desire to make a film and they basically made what amounted to a student film and it's their first film, and it took years, and they worked really hard on it. And so, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't hate on the Beach Girls and the Monster or whatever B-movie I'm watching, The Crawling Eye, when there's a good chance that this is less <coughs> of a movie that was designed to make money and more of a labor of love. And that's oh, what this week's movie is. Highly it's disagree. Shit. It's shit. But also, like, you can tell that, that you know, the... Uh, the band, the Flaming Lips. They, the sets were all built in the singer's backyard, you know, over a period of four or five years. And like, okay, I, I respect the effort that was put into this. Yeah, yeah, no, disagree, and we should probably save that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the monologue. Which is where we are now, Bunny. I would uh, like to start off the monologue like I start off every episode of the podcast by doing one of my world-famous impressions. So uh, my impression this week <coughs> is I am going to do an impression of every Dave Matthews Band song that has ever been written. Okay. Okay, okay. so it goes like this. Well, baby, we should fuck. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's every day <coughs> Matthew's band song that has ever been written. Also, you probably don't have to be told this, but I am very high. How about you, Bunny? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Working on it. Okay, good, 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 good. And speaking of music... Uh, Bunny, what's your favorite Beatles song? What's my favorite Beatles song? 
Yeah. I, I'm really torn between Helter Skelter and um, Come Together. Uh, come Together? Uh, my wife and yeah, I's favorite song. My wife and I's favorite used to be Come Together. Uh, we don't do much of that anymore. Sorry to talk about my sex life in the middle of this Beatles discussion. But uh, my favorite Beatles song is the one about farts. The what? The Beatles song about farts. About farts? Yeah, you know, the one about farts, it goes like, uh, how does it go? Oh. Smelter Delter. Smelter Delter. That one's my favorite. Well, well we're that. close there. Yeah. We're, we're I wrote very that close while there. High. I wrote that while high this week. Uh, this I, happened... I like, I really like any of the Beatles songs that are that are heavier, especially since yeah. like that didn't really exist yet. I like the weirder ones. I like the fact that like Let It Be was this big, massive, serious song, and it was long and it was powerful. But they needed an equally lengthy song for the B side of the record, so they came up with, "You know my name. Look up the number." <laughs> Favorite song in the world, the anti "Let It Be." Yes, I love that song so much. I like the weirder Beatles songs. So, uh, 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 I am the Walrus. Why don't we do it in the road, Honey Pie? Yeah. Uh, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Yes. Only a northern song. Oh, I love that song. Uh, so it, this happened last year. At the end of the year, we get a free subscription to SiriusXM. So we have SiriusXM satellite radio from Thanksgiving to January 1st. And, okay. and so at the end of every year, I get super into the Beatles because there's a Beatles channel. And I'm listening to it all the time, so I'm really into the Beatles right now. And speaking of, uh, uh, yeah, so, so a monologue. Let's talk about news. Uh, a Georgia man named Vinath Odosini applied for COVID relief funds to help his struggling small business. His name again is Vinath something. Okay. And so he applied for uh, uh, loans, COVID relief funds to help his business. He received $57,000 and he used it all on one gold labeled Charizard card. Okay. He spent $57,000 of COVID relief funds to buy one Pokemon card. I'm not sure when and why Pokemon cards got popular again. It's something that happened during the pandemic. All of a sudden, grown men are beating each other up trying to get Pokemon cards at Target. I hope that when historians write the history of uh, the the worldwide coronavirus pandemic, they don't forget the little things, like uh, like uh, men fighting old women to get a single package of toilet paper, 
and grown men beating each other up and illegally using COVID relief funds to buy Pokemon cards. I I believe that in the future, again, if we have a future, which is looking doubtful, but anyway, any historian that would be writing about this period would immediately be institutionalized upon publication. Yeah. Because anybody reading it, like, okay, look, he wrote that they're putting gasoline in bags. He's gone out of his mind. That could yeah. not have happened. Yeah. They were not yeah. sticking car keys to their foreheads, okay? <laughs> he... he JFK Jr. They did not think JFK Jr. was coming back from the dead. And John they F. Kennedy. They were not shooting and, uh, horse Jackie He must yeah. have gone insane. No, the president didn't say to inject bleach and light into the body. Yeah. Ridiculous. This is stupid. Yeah. I can't believe that right now... We're only four years away from finding out if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. Yes. Oh, no, that's 2025. No, we still have 504 years left. Damn it, I got all excited. It's not in the year 2025. Aw, now I'm sad. I'm a little bit high. Bunny, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers, yes. I'm so glad Chris that I Pratt. Write, I'm so glad that I write notes because then I get really super high and then the notes uh, center me. So the producers of the new Super Mario Brothers movie, the new upcoming animated Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, he did an interview where he came to the defense of Chris Pratt and said that there won't be a lot of it's a me Mario stuff in the film. Okay. There won't be a lot of it's a me Mario. And I thought that was ridiculous until a bunch of other films came out. You know, next year those new there's a new Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming out, Sonic 2. But I'm pretty sure the producer said that uh oh don't worry, there's not going to be a lot of running fast stuff in the yeah. Sonic movie. Oh, they're making a new Garfield movie? Oh, don't worry. There's not going to be a lot of lasagna eating and hating Monday stuff. Garfield's going to be super thin and jacked. He's going to eat nothing but protein bars. Also, they're making a new movie on that one book. I'm not sure if you've read it. Like, I know about it because I used to work at a bookstore. I think it's called The Bible. Oh... What was the plot? What if what was the what was the what was written on the back of the book? It's about this hippie dude, and he's like, "Hey, maybe treat everybody nice." And then the government was like, "Fuck you," and then killed him. Uh, sounds vaguely familiar. I might have caught it late night on cable when I was a kid. What the? This is the story of the Bible. Jesus comes up to the mount, and he's like, uh, "Hey." Maybe treat poor people nice. And the Jewish people in the audience were like, yes, yes, good, good. And then the Americans in the audience were like, la, 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 la. Covering their ears. 
And then Jesus is like, hey, rich people aren't getting to heaven. Let me tell you this. It's easier for a camel to go through the head of a pin than it is for a rich person to enter heaven. And the Jews were like, hmm, yes, wise words, wise words. And the Americans are like, la, 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 fuck you, Jesus. And those people became Christians. Yes. So, yeah. It's like, oh, you can't be... You, you you can't be friends with a gay person or a trans person because it goes against your Christian beliefs. Oh, yeah. It, that's the same thing that Jesus did to the town prostitutes. Yeah. Like, Mary, Magden, Mary Magdalene, I'm sorry. I can't fucking hang around you anymore. I don't condone your lifestyle. <laughs> and then there were poor people who were like, help me, Jesus. And then Jesus was like, if I help you, then you're just going to become lazy. Get off your ass, you fucks. Sayeth the Lord. So there you go. I think that's a good monologue. And uh, we're going to move on to the segments because I got a lot. So cut on the monologue, bunny. We are cut. Okay, good. I, I took... Uh, half of an edible, and then took a bath with half of uh, THC bath salts. So those have all those have both mashed together and created a beautiful rainbow that is me doing this podcast. <coughs> so, hooray! We're in uh, undiscovered territory. We're in well, the undiscovered I've, I've, country. I've given up edibles. Uh, and I'm gonna have to lay off smoking for a while. I just yeah. can't get around to doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because, like, I am just really not getting high anymore. Like, my, my body is uh, at a point of tolerance. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll probably be high by the end of the show, but it's gonna be a lot of work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It reminds me way, way back in my drinking days... When I would have to drink a six-pack as quick as possible to get a buzz because my alcohol wow. tolerance is so fucking high. It's yeah. kind of like that. So, like, when I go get pot, I will treat myself to a can of Keith. And I'll knock that whole fucking can back. And I'll, yeah, you know, maybe I'll be kind of high. Yeah. Are, are you, are you going to start dabbing? Am I going to start dabbing? No. I think I should just lay off for a little while. Cool. Which one is, of the things... Which, is, which makes me sad. Uh, one of the things that helps me is that I wake up and I go, okay, I got to wake up Eleanor. I got to get Eleanor to school. I got to wake up now, which is just a, an entire job in and of itself. And then get Mal to school. And then I gotta make sure Maxwell eats because Maxwell won't eat if if you if you have to like make him eat, and then uh, set up school for him and start doing school and then make lunch and then do all of this and then I have to run and do these errands and pick up this medication and then pick up that and then go here and then get food and all of this, and so I'm so busy that I'm like I can't do any weed I can't do any edibles I can't smoke I can't do anything I gotta focus on what I have to do for the day. And then finally it's like six, seven, eight o'clock, and I'm like, okay, I'm, got, I'm done leaving the house. Finally I can get high, and by the time I do that, I'm 
it, it just hits so hard. And then some days I'll be so exhausted I'll forget to do the edibles, and then I won't get high until like a day or two, and so that helps me with my tolerance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in the weekends I try and get very high because <laughs> this is this is my this is my time to exhale finally. Funny. Yes. I have the AMC A list and what that is is a subscription service and so for 19.95 a month I get up to 3 movies a week free and I really took advantage of it. At first, from December 2018 to March 2020, I saw a whopping 177 showings in a 66-week period of time. And then the pandemic ruined my streak, so fuck off the pandemic. But now, movies are back open, and so am I. So it's time, once again, for some up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week! This week's installment of Steve Stubbs represents my 23rd week back in theaters, and in that time I have seen a total of 42 movies in theaters, which is not that bad. I, I started off, you know, one, one movie a week, maybe two movies a week. I'm trying not to stress with the details. Anywho, this week I saw the following two movies in theaters. The new Disney animated film Encanto. Okay. And... The new horror film, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. This week was specifically no drama week because we're entering awards season and I'm already sick of it. I'm bored with awards season. Yes. So every week I pick a, a Steve Stubbs movie of the week. But before we do that, let's discuss the movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week. Uh, the Disney film Encanto. This is the fourth Disney animated film done uh, in Latin America. A Latin American-centric Disney animated film. Not including Coco, which is set in Mexico slash the land of the dead, because that's a Disney Pixar animated film. Yeah. I'm talking about Walt Disney Animation Studios. They have made four films centered in Latin American culture. There was Saludos Amigos, which is okay, but what's, what's great about it is the ending when you first meet uh, Joe Carioca and uh, the song Brazil. Yeah. The legendary song Brazil. That was the theme to a carnival, because every year they, Brazil does carnival, and every year someone writes a song that is chosen as the theme to Carnival, and it came out, and it was popular in Latin America, and that was it. And then while Disney went to Latin America to film Saludos Amigos, and he's like, hey, this song Brazil, I love it, and he put it in his animated film Saludos Amigos, and that is what made the song Brazil popular in America. It was Walt Disney that popularized that for the world. Yeah. And that was from this movie Saludos Amigos. And then after that, was the three caballeros, and then nothing for the longest time until Disney said, we're doing a very serious film about uh, Latin American culture, and it's, and it's called Kingdom of the Sun. Oh, wait, never mind. It's a really ridiculous fucking comedy now called The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. 
You did a whole shap about it. And now this movie, Encanto. And Encanto is a good film. I like it. It's entertaining. And, and uh, there's music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And you can tell. And it's not always for good reasons. But, hey. Um, I it, probably am probably one of the last people on the planet who couldn't tell. Yeah. 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 I, I was... Like I was maybe of, I heard part of a song from Hamilton once. Hey, hey, you were the Hamiltons. People say we're Hamiltoning around. <laughs> we're too busy being a douchebag. He, he has become one of these people who I am more familiar with him than anything he's done. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I could pick him out of a crowd. If yeah. you showed me a picture of him, yep, that's Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. yeah. But he did Hamilton. I don't know anything about it though. Yeah. Well, Encanto's a good film, and I like it. But I when remember you Mike Pence got booed there. So yeah, probably a good play. Yeah. Uh, Encanto's a good film, but when you look at it lined up with the other three Latin American Disney animated movies, I mean, this would be fourth in that list. Yeah. You know? So that says something. Plus, this is a film set in Colombia, about a Colombian family in Colombia, but a large portion of like the traditions and the way that they act and, and, and the way that they dress and everything, a large portion of the film seems to be set in Mexican culture and Mexican traditions. And there was a part of me that feels like, um, Disney, you know that Colombia and Mexico were different, right? You're aware <laughs> of this. And so just to, so I started thinking that. And I also started thinking that, like, hey, every race gets its own movie in Disney. Every nationality gets its own princess. But when it comes to Mexico, they always want to throw Mexico in with, like, okay, here's a film about a Chinese hero. Here's a film about a Polynesian hero. Here's a film about a Japanese hero. Here's a film about an Irish hero. Here is a general film about all of our neighbors south of the border. <laughs> you know? And it's like, fuck, why, why, do, why is Mexico thrown into a general Latin American category? So I decided to look up, like, uh, I know Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know? From yeah. Puerto Rico. And he wrote the music, and it's like, cool, that, that's awesome, but let me see who directed it. And I looked it up, and there were two directors. The whitest men you've ever seen. <laughs> Might as well be like John Smith <coughs> and Michael O'Shaughnessy <coughs> that they got to direct a Colombian animated film. Yeah. And so the movie is good, but... It's no Coco. It, yeah, it's no Coco. It's no Book of the Dead, which... Uh, it, no, the Book of Life. That's the name. Of, that's the movie I'm thinking of. The 
the Book of Life was Coco a few years before Coco. So there were some people that when Coco came out said, didn't this movie already come out? And it's like, no, you're thinking of, of Book of the Living, Book of Life, Book of Life, which was Coco pre-Coco. So that's, that's my thoughts on Encanto. And finally, the Steve Stubbs pick of the week is Resident Evil. Welcome to Reboot City. Yes, okay, okay. I, I am interested in this movie, so please. So, um, <clears throat> at first I wasn't going to see this film because I looked it up. This is the seventh fucking Resident Evil movie. Yeah. How is this the seventh film and I haven't watched a single fucking movie? And that's... And- there are also a lot of Resident Evil, like, 3D animated films. Yeah. yeah the they all kind of suck from any of those I saw. Yeah. So, so I wasn't going to see the film, because, like, this is the seventh movie, and it's rebooting the Resident Evil franchise, but I never saw any of the other Resident Evil movies. I never saw Mila Jova, whatever, you know, in, like, all leather and doing flips and whatever the fuck. I never saw any of those. So maybe I shouldn't see this. And then I remembered Downton Abbey. Okay. I never saw a single goddamn episode of Downton Abbey, but the movie was very pleasant. Yes. So I'm like, if I can go see Downton Abbey the movie, I can go see Resident Evil Welcome to Reboot City. Another another word for pleasant? Yeah. Boring. Yeah, it 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 was it was it was it was a delightful jaunt into a very uh fancy hoity toity world. Yeah. And it's like it's nice, you know, it's like Scottsdale. It's nice to visit, it's horrible to live in. So I liked going to the movie. I got a little taste of Downton Abbey without having to sit through, I don't know, eight fucking seasons or whatever. So, uh, one of the things that I've been saying this whole week, and it's very much the truth, is that I haven't played a single Resident Evil game. I've never played one. I've never sat down and played it. But one thing I did do is buy drugs in the 90s. Yes. In the late 90s, early 2000s, I, ha- I did buy drugs. And it, it now, you go to the store, you tell them what you want, and you purchase it, you get a receipt for drugs. Yes. Back in my day, you had to pretend to be friends with a shifty-ass dealer, which meant not just going and getting your drugs, you got to go into their apartment and sit down and watch them play Resident Evil for an hour until they give you your bag of skunkweed. Yes. And they were always playing Resident Evil. That's it. Somehow, in my mind, it was always a Resident Evil game. And it's like, oh, I gotta go through this mansion that somehow, it's just one mansion, but somehow, it's five hours of slowly walking through corridors and there's no lights and I don't know how there's fog in the mansion but there's fog everywhere 
And oh no, I'm at the police precinct. What, zombies? We better shoot them. And now, oh, we better get more weapons. We have to go through the police precinct. There's no lights. Why is there fog in the police precinct? So one positive of the Resident Evil reboot, it's very loyal to the early Resident Evil games. A lot of the film is, we need to find our partners, but first... We gotta slowly walk up these stairs and down this corridor. Jump scare! And it's like, okay, that's the first two blocky PlayStation 1 games. It's not like games back then really had some huge fucking plot line going on yeah. to begin with. Yeah. Just kind of a sketch to get you a feel for the game. But the movies immediately spun right into their own thing having nothing to do with the games at all anymore. And they were fun in their own right. You should check a couple of them out. You know, it's like yeah. it's dropping a female superhero into the middle of a zombie movie. Yeah, so, uh, like, the Resident Evil film is kind of dumb and kind of slow, but I saw enough Resident Evil 1 and 2 to know that means this is very loyal to the source material. Yes. A lot of a female police officer slowly walking through the woods. What's that behind me? Now I need to go into this spooky mansion. What's that noise? Oh no, a horde! Bang, bang, bang! And it's like, okay, this is the game. So that's good. You know, it's loyal to its source material. That being, that being said... And, and it, also gave us, it also gave us Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yes, it did. But but here's had the thing: Simon Pegg not been playing Resident Evil all night. Yeah. In spaced. In spaced, yeah, I remember spaced. Then we would not have Dawn Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. But here's the thing: here's the thing that I think that most uh, professional critics don't get. Uh, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City is shit. And I loved it. Cool. Because cause we're in reboots, we're in Oscar bait season right now, and it's like, if I had to pick between Will Smith's touching, heartbreaking performance in uh, King Richard or Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, I'm going to watch the, the stupid zombie film, because at least that's, like, fun. It's dumb and shitty, and you like it, you know? It's fun, and I didn't know who any of the characters was. I knew enough to know who Jill Valentine was. Yeah. I know that, but I didn't know any of the other characters. I was hoping for a 10-foot-tall, big, busty vampire, but that's not, that's not for another few movies. But this was fun, and it was enjoyable, and all the cast was a veritable who's who of where the fuck do I know you from. Ha! Yeah. Donald Logue was in it. Uh, one of one of the Umbrella Academy was in it. The one, the one who's who's a, who has a gorilla's body. He was in it. Uh, the star of the film was in the movie Crawl, which I saw during my marathon in 2019. It's about a woman, and she's stuck in a flooding house with an alligator 
it was really dumb and I loved it. And so like, yeah, it, there were, there were people in it and, uh, yeah, it was all right. It was, it was fun. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. If they made more, I would, I would go see those. It was, it was dumb and I liked it. Well, it's also one of those movies like, <laughs> what the fuck do you expect out of it? Yeah. You know? It's a fucking fact... Resident Evil movie. Yeah. So, like, like I, I would go into a movie like that with very little expectation, except hopefully I'm entertained. And yeah, it was it. entertaining. I had fun. I'm not fun. expecting great acting. I'm not expecting great cinematography. The zombies better be fucking good, though. Uh, it's... It didn't come out in February. There you go. That's what I can say about this movie. It came out in December and not January. So that's a positive in my book. And that's it for Steve Stubbs this week. Next week, I'm going to see the Irish drama Belfast. Okay. And I'm not sure what else. I don't want to see West Side Story, but I would see that over Clifford. Really trying to avoid Clifford. Yeah. But we'll see. I don't know what else I'm seeing next week. But uh, be sure and join us next week for some up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week! And cut on that. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for everyone's favorite podcast segment, the Freeform? ad-libbing uh, uh, edge of our seat pulled out of our ass uh, everyone's favorite podcast segment Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams are you ready, are you pumped, are you amped, are you jazzed are you psyched, are you primed, are you revved up and ready to go Bunny yes okay then without yes. any further ado it's time once again for Bunny Versus and now here is your host Bunny Williams, take it away, Bunny! And I'm cle- completely drawing a blank of everything that happened the whole previous week. Uh, I wrote some stuff down, so that's mm. good. I forgot to talk about Halloween Kills. Not that I had a lot left to say about Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills suffers from trilogy-itis. And what happens is... We have an idea for a trilogy, three movies, but we're not sure if people want to see a trilogy. So what we'll do is we'll release the first movie as a standalone movie that has a beginning and a middle and an end inside of its own little universe. And if people like this one movie, then we'll make two movies that are together. Yeah. You have to see together. And so that's why uh, Star Wars, great movie. Empire Strikes Back, there's no ending to that. No. And it's, that happens with so many trilogies. The Matrix, a great standalone film. Then you see the second one, and it's like, oh, this, all this does is lead to the third. Yeah. That is, that is all, this film only exists. To steer you towards the final film a in the third trilogy. third that didn't even pay off. Yeah. So, uh, 
That's the problem with Halloween <coughs> Kills because <coughs> the next film is coming out next year. And that's going to wrap up this three-movie trilogy. So the first Halloween film from 2018 was great, but then this one is just like, oh, things happen. Watch the third, yeah. and then that's it. And it just sucks, you know? Well, the thing about this is, is, is it was kind of weird because, like, I really wasn't planning on seeing Halloween Kills because I heard enough people say it sucked for me to say, all right, I believe you, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then I sign up for Peacock so I can watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I go to Peacock, and there's Halloween Kills. And I actually felt, like, really disappointed. That Halloween it's like, Kills it's was like, I don't want to watch this movie, but, like, I have to now. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. right there. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I now feel obligated to watch this movie. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever felt that way with a movie that's like been made available to me like that. Hmm. Where I was actively upset that I was having an, I was getting the opportunity to see a movie. Yeah. So, so much of the film was just setting up another film that isn't even out yet and it's so upsetting and it's like the policeman's in the hospital and it's like you don't understand Michael is still alive because of me and I'm going to tell you my story and there's going to be a flashback and that will set up the fact that I am going to fight and give my life to make sure that Michael Myers is stopped once and for all but not in this movie bye and then he j his character just disappears and you don't see him again yeah, and then Laurie Strode. The entire movie is Michael and I are gonna fight. Michael and I are gonna fight. Michael and I are gonna fight. Not now. Bye. And and then like, oh, so why was I? Why was it, that? Was all just setting up shit that didn't happen yet. Yeah, I like like fuck this movie. Yeah, and it was just it was just it was overly dramatic and silly. Yeah. You know, like I like, never I never I never would have thought that when you're talking about the Halloween movie franchise, I never thought that I would say about a Halloween movie that guy who played Stuart in Mad TV was the best part of this Michael Myers movie. Oh my god, yeah, I know. I was looking at him. I was what looking at him and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" I know that face. Yeah. And I finally had an ID IMDB him and it was like, oh my god, it's fucking Stewart. <laughs> yeah, like it says something about your film when the audience is saying, you know who were the best people in this film? Anthony Michael Hall and Stewart from Mad TV. Yeah. Like, what the fuck horror movie is this? That I am able to say that sentence with a straight face. And I don't know, man. I picked up a really strong vibe off of Anthony Michael Hall. He voted for Trump, didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of think he did. And then let me tell you Not what... Anthony it... Michael Hall himself. I mean, I don't know who he voted for. But his character in Halloween Kills. He was just... Uh... 
And then everybody said it, we were led to believe that 2018's Halloween was a direct sequel to the first Halloween film. And then they do Halloween Kills, and the police officers said, I must fight Michael Myers one-on-one -on -one because he killed my daughter. Here's a flashback to Halloween 2. Yeah. A movie that isn't in our universe. Yeah, they were awesome too. And then, oh, these kids die. What masks are they wearing? Masks from Halloween 3, which isn't in this universe. Yeah, which isn't even in the Halloween universe. <laughs> Buster Rhymes is going to show up next, and, and uh, fucking Ant-Man. Yeah. Fucking, goddamn, where's Sherry Moon Zombie? Is she going to show up now? Fuck. That pissed me off. Like... Wait a second. Why are you showing Halloween 2? A clip from Halloween 2? I'm so fucking confused. The Halloween timeline. God damn. I need a freaking... I need a chalkboard to explain that movie. Timeline. Yeah. Fuck! So something else I, I saw this week. Good movie. Good movie. Okay. Uh, but there was a part in it that really frightened me. Because I hate it when they do this. Uh, I'm talking about a boy named Christmas. Okay. 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 And Maggie Smith is telling these kids this story, very a la Princess Bride. Okay. And she's telling the story, little Nick and his father in the cabin, and the mother died, and he's taken care, of, and they're really and all this and then the father is putting Nick to bed and tells him a story I hate that we're in a story of a story stop yeah. it Yeah. because what if the characters in that story decide to start telling a story when does it end when it's does it end it's Christmas. When does this socialism stop? The guy who directed A Boy Named Christmas also co-wrote the new Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking up the movie right now. I, I had flashbacks to Ang Lee's Hulk. Ew, where they did the ew, same ew, thing, ew, ew. where Bruce Banner had a flashback twice. Yeah. How the fuck do you flashback to yourself having a flashback? Yeah. What kind of psychotic episode is that? What kind of sick mind operates like that? And what about this Barbara character that's obviously me? Yes. <laughs> it's a damn good role. That's not the issue. God, how can you act so casual when you're dressed like that? Uh, speaking speaking of dressed like that, Bunny, this is weird. I, uh, I I've 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 done a I've done a lot this year. Yeah. Done a lot. I I've I've traveled a lot. I have. I've You've come far. Wings. I've come far in one year. Uh, so. 
I am a trans woman. That's weird for me to say out loud, but it's true. I am trans. It's been quite a year for me. Yes. It's been quite a year. I go out as a woman more than I, I do I as must a man admit, I now. I did not have it on my bingo card. Yep. Uh, I go out as a woman now more than I go out as a man. Sometimes I will go out as a man, but that's only when I'm lazy. You know, because going out as a woman is just like, hey, Natasha says, hey, uh, we need to go to the store. We need to pick up this and this and this. And I go, okay, I'll get dressed. And then I've got to shave because my hair does not want to be gone. And so yeah. i got to shave. And I've, I've done really good with putting on makeup that covers up the stubbles. And i got to do my hair. i got to put in my big boobies, come up with a really nice outfit. And, and get my purse ready, and then go out. And I have a female voice that I'm not doing here, but it, it's pretty believable. And I can talk with people, you know, as a woman out in public. And so that's good. But um, sometimes I'm a man in the mornings just because I'm just lazy as fuck. And it's like, I'm not changing out of my beer pajamas and my Greendale Community College shirt, which is two sizes too big. Fuck that. That's what the parents are getting when I drop off Eleanor at preschool. At kindergarten. They're getting a messed up male Steve. But then sometimes I'll pick Eleanor up and I'll be a glammed out woman and the parents are confused. But I've finally reached that age of my life where I don't give a fuck what people think about me, so I'm really happy about that. So yeah, it's been uh, another week <laughs> defined by gender. I uh, I came out in a story time this week. I, I saw. That was it very was, difficult. I, I, found it, I found it more... Uh, Concord-centric than I expected. <laughs> I've been using that. It, whenever I whenever I get emotional now, I use that clip. I used the, I used the the song uh, last when Eleanor had their first day of school. Yes. And I'm like, this is very emotional for me, and uh, I'm not crying. You are, and then I'm not crying. Oh, so yeah. I use that a lot. Oh, that's I not get... the only clip you used. There were quite a few yeah. Flight of the Concords clips throughout that episode. Yeah. Well, there's a part of me that going through my journey towards being able to announce that I'm trans, uh, what, I, what I want to do, my bipolar disorder wants me to 100% go... Okay, here is Steve. Steve is one persona. Steve's over here. Here is Maylin, the female persona, over here. It's one or the other, and you have to choose. And I'm trying now to realize that, like, hey, yeah, I want to go by the name Maylin. But also, if someone calls me Steve, you know, I'm not going to fucking sweat that. I've been Steve for 44 years. It's fine. And also, I'm still Steve just because I am now realizing that I'm a trans woman doesn't mean I'm giving up who I have been up until the point that I realized I'm a trans woman. I'm still Steve. I'm still 
Mr. Steve and Reverend Steve, and I'm still a dad, but also I'm a kick-ass mom. And my new favorite thing is when I'm a woman and I'm out in public with Natasha being very physically uh, uh, affectionate towards her, so people think she's 100% Lezo. Okay. That's my new favorite thing. <laughs> and it's just, oh, look at those two women uh, pawing each other and... That woman's kissing the other one. Oh, my goodness. How scandalous. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. That they do that all the time now. Okay, so I, I decided to send a picture of myself as a woman to yesterday to uh, two people. Number one, the big family group text chain, uh, Natasha's family. So okay. I, I'm sending the text to, you know, all of my kids with phones, and then Deanna and Christian and uh, Natasha's dad and Natasha's dad's husband and uh, Auntie Lauren and Uncle Randall and all of those people. I sent them a picture of me as a woman, and then I sent my parents a picture of me as a woman. Yeah. And so uh, here are the reactions that I got. Uh, I got a bunch of positivity from the big group text chain, except for Natasha's dad, who sent a confused slash upset emoji. It's difficult to explain. He who sent, sent one, one of these. He, he sent one of these. You know, with like a raised eyebrow and a confused mouth, sort of. Yeah. And who sent so. That one? Uh, Natasha's dad oh. sent that. He sent, like, a confused emoji, and Natasha was like, huh, I think I have to explain this to him. And Natasha texted, uh, yes, uh, uh, she is trans, she is Maylin now, she, her, they are trans, and he didn't comment back. Natasha's dad didn't comment back, didn't say anything, didn't give me any well wishes, didn't say a word. Yeah. Uh, other than the confused slash upset emoji, and my well, parents. Well, and, and I'm sorry, that would really kind of suck at him. I would think. Yeah. After yeah. how everybody was supportive of him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, I'm supportive of uh, people being who they want to be as long as that person is me. Yeah. And then I just heard nothing from my parents, but that's to be expected. <laughs> I was also going to talk about a YouTube channel, but I found well, a way to... Well, well, when it comes to your parents, at least you know it really has nothing to do with your gender. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, if anything, really... you know... What was the difference last year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, I also wanted to talk about a certain YouTube channel that just popped up, but I'm going to save that for the movie. I actually found a way to talk about it during the movie. Uh, oh, because of Blue's Clues. I found a way to talk about both the TV show Blue's Clues and uh, a YouTube channel of someone I know. So I'm really excited about that. That's for the movie, though. I'm going to save that okay. for later. Uh, so that's me. How are you, Bunny? I'm okay. 
I'm okay. Uh, got more Dabney done. Nice. So the intro to part three is done. Uh, although it came out hysterical, his hair is going all over the fucking place. Nice. I like that. All over the place. But like, I spent a solid day running the simulation for the hair. And then four days rendering it. It's like, that's just Jeez. it. That's just the intro to episode three. I don't give a fuck how bad it is. Dropping <laughs> <coughs> shit. Okay, we're good. I'm not. You know, so that's it. I still think I'm coming up with some really good funny bits for it. Yeah. So, I don't know when I'm going to start releasing it. Whenever I guess whenever I run out of the current breaks... Yeah. Okay. Then I'll start running them, however many is done, but then I'll probably want... But, I, you know, we're also living on the edge of apocalypse. I mean, like, I could die in the time of doing 13 episodes. Yes. You know? Yeah. Especially since yeah. each one's taking, like, several weeks to do. You know? So... So maybe I'll like release three and then run some other some of the other breaks and then run another Dabney or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Probably not a solid thirteen episode run. Yeah. Whew. I am a little bit high. I am a little bit a lot high. So I think <laughs> that's about it. Uh I'm sure some some obnoxious things in the world happen. I I can't I can't keep track of them really. Like, did that happen this week or did that happen last week? What what horrors are this week's? You know, and like, has anybody really noticed that the horrors haven't stopped? Yeah, going from yeah, Trump to Biden. I mean, it's still horrible. I, it upsets me when I think of all of the things that were promised, you know, yeah. like, oh, free, uh, uh, paid family leave and free community college and, uh, uh, erasing student debt and, uh, we, we need to, uh, Stop detaining people at the border, and we need to let in immigrants and people people fleeing from war torn countries. And like, yeah, none of that has happened. None of that is going to happen. Meanwhile, the the same shit. Really, now we just have blue maga. Now we're just gonna kiss their asses over everything when they're doing the same shit. And now Biden has the record of kids in cages for one consecutive month. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is... He rebranded it and gave it a friendlier name and everybody fucking accepted that. Like, yeah. Hell, I'm sorry, the left is as stupid as the fucking right is. To be it upsets me. This. It upsets me that 
when Trump was president, so many liberals were like, oh, you're just worshiping Trump. This is the cult of Trump. Look at this ridiculous picture of Trump shirtless, riding a horse with an eagle on his shoulder, holding a flaming sword. This is idolatry. This is ridiculous. And those people are just like, be sure and like and retweet if you love our new savior, Biden, and everything's fine and nothing is wrong. And thank goodness we have Biden. And here's a picture of him uh, looking down on us from heaven. And it's like, you're doing the same yeah. thing that it, a lot of Democrats are acting the same way that Republicans did with Trump with Biden. And it's just upsetting, you yeah. know? Uh, Biden is so Republican. And, and, it, and it, 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 it gets me so fucking angry that things like kids in cages is, is a political Yeah, and there was this thing. So and it where was, the I, fuck are all my friends now that was screaming about it when it was Trump? Why the yeah. fuck are they so quiet about it now? It's yeah. still a goddamn atrocity. He didn't do a fucking thing about it. He's putting more kids in cages. ICE is still running it. He gave it a friendlier sounding name, and that's it. Yeah, and, and Trump did this horrible thing where it's like, hey, we've passed this thing. I forget what it's called. Title 18. And Title 18 means that, hey, this is a pandemic and it's an emergency, so we can just turn away every immigrant seeking asylum, every foreigner who wants to come into America. We can turn them away, no questions asked, because this is a deadly pandemic. And all of the liberals said, this is horrible, and this is racist, and this is wrong, and people will die because of this, and Biden comes into power, and he keeps it, yeah. And then he extends it, uh -huh. and all of the people who were screaming about how horrible it was when, when Trump did that are now silent now that Biden is continuing it. Right. And it's just ridiculous that what we were supposed to do is, hey, we didn't want Biden, but he's our candidate, and the important thing is, is just to get rid of Trump. And so we're going to get rid of Trump, and then when Biden is finally in power, we can try and steer him more to the left. But all of the people that elected him forgot about the whole steering him to the left thing, and so much of what he's doing is just Trump again, and it's just fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then the Republicans, uh, all they care about is... fell asleep in the global crisis conference. World yeah. fucking conference. They had to wake him up to speak. Yeah. And then... And nobody and then, says shit about this. Yeah. Well, nobody on the left. Yeah, and, and it, it upsets me because the right is only focused on making Democrats look bad. Like, when Trump was always doing infrastructure week and always talking about his big infrastructure plan. And then there was no infrastructure plan, and, and he never passed anything. He kept talking about it, but it never happened. Democrats were like, Trump, you need to pass an infrastructure plan. And passing an in if Trump had passed an infrastructure plan, that would have benefited Trump and benefited Republicans. 
But Democrats were like, this is what's best for our constituents. And even though, Trump, this would help you, this will also help our, our voters. So please, Trump, pass an infrastructure bill. The people need it. And Trump never did. And now that Biden is passing, trying to pass an infrastructure bill, the Republicans are against the infrastructure bill, not because it won't help their people. It will. But it's more important to the Republicans in power that Biden is hurt and doesn't pass the infrastructure bill. Yeah. Hurting the Democrats is more important than helping the Republican voters. Yes. So it's not yes. about helping Republican voters for Republicans. The only thing that Republicans have that they're focusing on is making Democrats look bad. And that's it. But what's hysterical is the Democrats ran a whole fucking propaganda campaign saying infrastructure is not just roads and bridges. Infrastructure is mental health. Infrastructure is free college. Infrastructure is, is daycare. Infrastructure just on and on and on. And what we get? Roads and bridges. Yeah. Roads and bridges. They had to cut so much out of that that it's like, what's the freaking point now? Well, but, 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 okay, this is, see now, when, when Biden first came out with the, with the first draft of the bill, okay, mm -hmm. I felt hopeful for once in my fucking life, because yeah. everything that was in the bill was in direct opposition to what, what Biden was saying in the fucking primaries. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this guy can be pushed left. Maybe Bernie's having some kind of effect on him. This is brilliant. So why are we surprised that it didn't happen? Why are we surprised that Joe Biden didn't do what Joe Biden said he didn't want to do? Yeah. And he'll let Manchin and Cinema take the fall for it so he can look like the great guy and be called the new F FDR. I but just, it was smoke and mirrors. God damn it, this fucking microphone. Stop falling. Okay, we're good. Oh, did you know hmm. we could buy followers? Oh, hold Somebody on. just put in chat, we could become famous. We could buy followers. Holy shit! Wow. We can buy Optimus Primes? I want to buy Optimus Primes. I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely going to have to investigate that into more of that more later. Wow. Yeah. You want to be my, famous? I want to be famous. Let's my be older famous. brother, my older brother this week announced on his Facebook that he purchased a Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. He also said, and, and I think that this is wonderful, he said, I'm not sure what Bitcoin is no. or how it works, oh. but I've just been putting money into it, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> and it's like, God oh. damn it, you financial genius! Fuck! 
man, I've got Robert Kiyosaki over here. I've got some other famous business person. Seven habits of highly effective uh, pieces of shit. Yeah. Used to be. Used to be. <laughs> uh, uh, slick back hair. A white Ferrari, sloppy steaks. You would not have liked me back then. Okay, so now what is the thing that I planned, that I kind of meant to talk about during Bunny Versus all week and have forgotten and will suddenly remember in the next segment? I don't know. I don't that's, know. We're going to find the, out. That's the puzzle. We're going to see. That'll be exciting. That'll be a fun thing for the next half of the podcast. Yeah. I've got a lot to say about this week's movie. <laughs> I have I have things. Yeah. I have things. So The Hebrew Hammer was in this. Yes. Yes, he was. The Hebrew hammer, the black, the Jewish black dynamite. Yes. I fucking love him. And then the great part is he's talking about how he saw an entire Nazi marching band of people with vaginas for heads who have to stomp on a baby. But he's an actual actor as opposed to everyone else in this movie. So yeah. he actually says it in a way where you go, okay. This isn't stupid. Yeah. You know, because he's actually acting, and you kind of believe it. Because he's yeah. an actual I, fucking actor. He was in Saving Private Ryan, for shit's sake. And, and that, that just reminded me of this, of this dream that I had where, where a, a, a guy was eating a baby, and, and there were, like, babies all over, and he was eating a baby, but it was actually a sausage. And there was a marching band, and they were all vaginas. Uh, and then yeah. there was a green Martian guy, and the green Martian guy looked at me and said, How do you feel about self-adhesive tape? It's the weirdest dream ever. But I just looked at him right in his green eyes and weird-ass mantis antennas and said, Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. I love that. And cut on that. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes? We still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about... Um... Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, the band Fish, uh, the Flaming Lips, Fred Armisen, the movie Candyman, Deep Hurting, and, of course, the big reveal of next week's uh, movie. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should, indeed, take a break. Okay. We will be right back with more of the book on film after this. Do 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 and break.
I'll tell you this. You haven't got long before you all try to kill yourselves. Because you're crazy. And you can project it back at Bob. There's only what lives inside of each and every one of you. Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm QAnon Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag no more. Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. <laughs> Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hashtag Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortez. Hashtag oh, oh. save children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag save the children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers.
international male artist in England four years in a row. Here is all the magic of Slim Whitman, the international star who has sold 31 million records. All the songs that touch people's hearts the most are in this album, and I hope you'll let them touch your heart too. Have I told you This giant record treasury is only $7.98. Complete tape collection is only $9.98. Not sold in any store. Order yours now. To get this beautiful treasury mail, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for 8-track tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Be sure to do it now. This special Slim Whitman collection is available through this offer only. Rush $7.98 for album, $9.98 for tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Dr. Frankenstein was my father. But you can call me whatever you want. As long as it's not... Oh, idiot monster! Idiot monster! See you next week. Based on the surface of Mars. A futuristic baby is being born. But the oxygen generator blows up. Get that idiot away from the wire! And the gravity control pod is needing adjustment. Things look grim, but... You never know. It is Christmas Eve. An alien super being shows up. And he's green. But Major Sirtis is freaked out. 
so is a guy in a sand suit. They are seeing bad things. Is that baby going to be alright? It is sad. But the alien fixes the oxygen generator. And somehow wears the sand suit. But the gravity control pod is tough to fix. But they create their own happiness anyway. It's Christmas on Mars. At rock festivals this summer. On AVD for Christmas 2008. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Okay, so this is how I was going to start the second half of the podcast. I was going to be shirtless and doing weights. <laughs> and then I was going to be like, God dang it! Why are you always barging in here when I don't have my shirt on? But then I realized that like I'm a woman right now and I got my boobs in and so I can't really have my shirt off, but that's what I was going to do. And, and, and what I have to say is fucking Facebook neighbors? What? That's the thing I forgot to say in the last segment. <coughs> what, is, what is that? As a new feature, Facebook, so you can use Facebook to get to know your neighbors? Really? Like, Facebook, if I have to use Facebook to get to know my neighbors, I don't want to get to know my neighbors. If I'm not if... knocking on their door with a bunt cake, I don't see how Facebook is helping out here. I think what that is is, like, there was, there was an app that came out, and it, gi- it would give you memories and like here's a look back at what you posted on Twitter a year ago, what you posted on Instagram a year ago, here's time what hop? you post time hop. Yeah. Time hop. And then once time hop became popular, Facebook said, Oh, we can do that too. Here are your memories. Every day, here are the memories. And and so use Facebook instead of that app. And what you're explaining to me, Bunny, sounds like they figured out nextdoor.com and said, yeah. shit, we'll do a nextdoor.com. Here's your neighbors. Get to know them. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, no. These days, like one in every six people is a raving fucking lunatic. Okay? Yeah. I don't want to know which one of my neighbors is that lunatic. I know. 
I know all about my neighbors. Okay, there's some white people over there that it, the mom constantly smells like cheap cigarettes. There's people over there at the door. Uh, they have a door that used to be red with their all-white house. They've since painted the door, but they do drugs. There's the people next door, and they're always welding at like 1 a.m., which seems pretty sus, but they leave us alone and we leave them alone. There's the house over there in the corner where I swear to God some shady shit going on. And there's always 30 people there. But I know that if anything were to ever happen to us, the 30 people who are in that house would get guns and start helping us. Then there's the people with the two dogs over there. And for some reason, they're always in the front yard playing cornhole. Like, are you professional cornhole players or something? And you've got the board and you're always cornholing. Those are our neighbors. Okay, but to be fair, Yeah, the guy next door makes custom-made benches. And so he's always in his backyard at night making benches and burning wood and chopping shit and fucking welding because he makes and sells benches and apparently he can only do it at night so we've got a vampire bench maker next door a vampire carpenter yeah so so those are our neighbors i don't need facebook for that yeah that was a 100 percent description of all of our neighbors there's also a a, a an african-american family uh, a caddy corner from us and I'm assuming that the mom is always saying, what are you doing in, cooped up inside your room? Go outside and play. Because they've got like a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old. And I don't even, I, he spends 90% of the day outside. But not even going anywhere. He's just in his front yard. He lives in his front yard, this kid. Yeah, And I want the pandemic to be over so that my kids can befriend this one kid who just plays in his front yard. Yeah. Those are our neighbors. Uh, let's just talk about neighbors instead of the movie. <laughs> this is fun. We had neighbors in the apartment. We had neighbors underneath us. And then they were shot to death in a drug deal gone wrong. All right. And that's when we moved out of the apartment. Hooray! Neighbors! Uh, okay. It's time, Bunny! Yes, it is. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast, America's 2,486th most popular film podcast, to slowly methodically amble our way into the final half of the show, and it is the back half's job to finally, eventually get around to discussing our all-new extra-strength, high-fiber, low-fat, no-artificial-additives or preservatives, turbocharged, all-wheel-drive, anti-lock brakes, all-terrain, no-money-down-for-six-weeks, and now available in suppository form, Movie of the Week! And this week, we go into the mind of Oklahoma's most beloved drugged-out weirdos with a movie, if it can be called that, which is our first movie in our month-long Christmas season, the 2000 and Lips, Flaming Lips, and I use finger quotes, film, 
Christmas on Mars. So Christmas on Mars looks drab and bleak and lifeless. Wow. So this is the aftermath. This is what happens when Santa Claus conquers your planet. Yes. Yet another white colonizer ruining an entire society. You know what? Fuck you, Santa. All hail Voldar. He was right. Voldar was right. We should have thrown Santa and Piazadora through the airlock. Yeah. Basically, Droppo is the Judas of Martians. <laughs> Voldar was the one where it's like, hey, we shouldn't be letting kids watch Earth shows. We need to think about uh, Martians first. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was Voldar's yeah. phrase. And he tried to kill Santa, and then Santa's like, no, Santa Claus is here, and we're going to help all of the people. And now look at how Martians are doing. There's yeah. only one, and he's green, and he's a freaking drugged-out hippie. Funny, uh, I feel like, because we, it, it, with our new format, we talk about the film a little bit throughout the entire movie. And so I can already tell that there's a good chance that we are of different minds when it comes to this week's movie, yeah. the 2008 film, uh, Christmas on Mars. But hear me out here. I give this film credit because any film that four and a half minutes in makes you say, well, I guess we're going into the space vagina. Yeah. Any film that makes you say that less than five minutes into the film should get at least a modicum of respect. Yes, but it loses that respect. It's, you know, it's not so much that this is a bad movie. It is. Uh, but this looked like, well, we're the flaming lips. We're too cool to care. You know, so it's like, it's like, you could have made a better movie, but that wouldn't be cool. Yeah. And that annoyed the fuck out of me. You know, well, we're not talking about something like Birdemic or Born to Mafia, where you could see these people are working with fucking peanuts, and they're doing the best they can. Yeah. You know? This is yeah. yeah we we don't care enough is the vibe I got off of this. This was a the interesting thing that I think about this is that they released the movie and then they released a uh, a soundtrack like all of the incidental music they released as an album called Christmas on Mars and the movie has like a rating of like five out of ten. Across, you know, like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But the soundtrack is like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Really? And I saw a handful of reviews that said, yes, Christmas on Mars is bad, but it gave us the wonderful album, Christmas on Mars. And so a, the second time that I watched this film, I was trying to focus on the 
incidental music that plays in the background because apparently that's like an 8 out of 10, whereas the movie is just 5. Yeah. I was trying to think of other films where the soundtrack was great, but the movie was shit. I am a huge fan of the soundtrack to Batman Forever. Yeah. Huge fan of that soundtrack. I hate the I hated the band the 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 honey. Pretty life for a white guy. The what were they? What what was the name of them? The Alp the Alpacts? The Offspring. Okay. In the soundtrack to Batman Forever, they do a cover of a of a misfit song. And then Kiss from a Rose, which is just become like a meme at this point. And yeah. uh, uh, I mentioned that, oh, uh, you 2 had a great song, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Made out with a woman to that song. It, like, my, like right before I went to college. And like I love that song. And the Flaming Lips have a song on the... Batman Forever soundtrack, the only song of theirs that I, have, that I absolutely love, and it's a song called Bad Days. It yeah. plays when you see Jim Carrey go into his, I don't know, uh, Riddler cave. But the reason why I picked this bizarre 2008 art film is because it was created by the Flaming Lips, because I wanted to talk about the Flaming Lips a little bit on the podcast. So right. I want to get that over with before we really talk about the movie. Um, this bizarre weirdo art film was the brainchild of Wayne Cohen? Cohen? He's the front man for the band The Flaming Lips. And they're psychedelic. They're alternative. They're was crazy. he the Martian? Yes. Yes, he was. Okay. And, and there were some famous names in this. Because it looks like a was... dynamic front man part. Yeah. Yeah. That's the David Bowie part. Yeah. Where, like, he doesn't have lines, so he doesn't have to act, because he can't. Yeah. That's the Ringo part. Yes. <laughs> so, so, they're psychedelic, they're alternative, they're a crazy band, they're an art band, they're a jam band, they're a drug band, right? Yeah. And also, and this is true, Oklahoma fucking loves them! Really? That was the weirdest, that was one of the first weird things that I noticed when I lived in Oklahoma, when I moved to Oklahoma, is that this is a super ultra-conservative red state with like a whopping crap ton of like uh, evangelical Christians and militias and gun-toting nut jobs and people following uh, uh, abortion doctors to their homes and, like, uh, taking uh, their semi-automatic shotguns to the Walmart, but they also love the goddamn Flaming Lips. <laughs> fucking weird. Apparently, Wayne Cohen, he was born fucking somewhere else. I don't know. But he grew up in Oklahoma City, and he, he lived in Oklahoma City, and he never left Oklahoma City, even when he became, like, a super big, huge, famous band with the White Stripes. He still lived in like a fairly ghetto part of Oklahoma City. When he was uh, in high school, he got a job at a Long John Silver's in Oklahoma City. 
and yeah. he worked there for 13 years. Wow. God damn. So if Wayne Cohen's life goes to shit, at least he's got a job making hush puppies. That fucking blew my mind when I learned that. There aren't a lot of, like, uh, uh, debonair frontmen who also worked a fast food job for over a decade. Yes. You know? Like, shit. Like, you got well, a bit of respect was, for was, me there. He was Judge Reinhold in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. That was him. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. There's a story on his Wikipedia page about how when he was working at Long John Silver, he was robbed at gunpoint, and it triggered something in me. So uh, I was going to, I thought about talking about that, but I'm not going to. So yeah, when he got big with the Flaming Lips, he stayed in Oklahoma City. His band recorded in, in 2001, the Flaming Lips recorded the soundtrack to an Oklahoma fishing documentary. Okay. Like, uh, what's the word? Catfish canoodling? You know what that is? Yes. Where you, like, stick your hand in and Under a catfish logs and shit. bites it. Yeah, they made a documentary about that, and the Flaming Lips did the soundtrack to it. And then in 2007, they released a concert DVD of a big show that they did inside the Oklahoma City Zoo. Okay. And there's, there's, like a, there's like an amphitheater by the zoo, and it's like the zoo amphitheater, and it's the concert venue by the zoo. But no, the they did their theater. show. Yeah, they did their show in the zoo. And then in March of 2009... The Oklahoma Senate approved the Flaming Lips song, Do You Realize, as being the official rock song of the state of Oklahoma. Okay. And honestly, this is one of the main reasons why I chose this week's movie, Christmas on Mars, as our first Christmas movie this year, because it's fucking strange as <coughs> shit how Oklahoma... It's like a far-right state, but they have a huge soft spot for this one fucking weird-out druggy band. And I never understood that, but even like a far-right nut job with a gun who's wearing a Punisher shirt and hates minorities could probably sing the song Do You Realize by the Flaming Lips. Fucking weird. It's like if you move to Maryland and you realize... Like, uh, oh, yeah, well, this is a small community. You know, we keep to ourselves, and uh, we mainly just go out and look at lighthouses and, of course, uh, listen to the monkeys. Yeah. Huge band in this state. We love the monkeys. You know, like something weird like that. Like, uh, oh, hey, did you know that Idaho loves... The band Anthrax. Yeah. Okay, that's fucking weird. But yeah. I like some of their music. The Batman Forever soundtrack is the shit. And everyone is always like creaming themselves of, from that one album, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, I think is the name of the album. 
But um, I see the Flaming Lips music the same way I look at the band Fish. Everyone yeah. says, oh, man, you just don't understand their music until you do drugs. When you're on drugs, their music is great. And then it's like, you need to preface that because there's different fucking drugs. Okay? Like a yeah, fish yeah, in the Flaming the Lips. They're... better. What's your fucking point? Yeah, like fish in the Flaming Lips, they're acid bands. I just smoked some weed and had a beer. Those are different fucking highs. Yeah. I get high and listen to fish, and I'm like, I don't fucking, I still don't fucking get this. Apparently, I just need to do acid and listen to fish. But let me tell you, the Grateful Dead, I love them now. Yeah? Holy shit. Yeah. Like, getting high and listening to, like, skeletons from the closet, the music just hits differently. Yeah. When I'm on weed, and that is what I have learned, and it's great. But yeah, there's different highs. The way that I described this film to Natasha was, uh, this movie <coughs> is Meow Wolf the Home Game. Yeah. Hey kids, do you love Meow Wolf? But you want to bring some of the magic of Meow Wolf at home? Well now you can purchase Meow Wolf the Home Game. Each copy of Meow Wolf the Home Game comes with a VHS tape of Christmas to Mars and one marijuana. Yeah. And like, okay, you kind of get that. Anyway, that's my uh, Flaming Lips rant. Let's talk about this movie. Funny. <sighs> Look, I believe in you. <laughs> okay. I, I believe in you so much. I am rooting for you. Because, see, well, you, you are so good at describing plot. The story Everything. had some potential, you know, so, so there were some interesting bits scattered around here. Uh, so it's, a, it's like a Martian colony, although it's hard to have a colony if you have no women. Yeah. Uh, There's one. It's in a there, bubble like John Travolta. There was one yeah. who had some, who had a very unusual... Uh, prenatal regimen. Yes. Okay. Uh, but she was she was pregnant, and we don't really get to find out much because she's just a host body, I guess. Uh, which is what Republicans want all women to be. Because she didn't have anything else to do in the movie. She was just a pregnant yeah. chick. She, she only appeared like twice. She didn't interact with yeah. anybody. She only appeared like two or three times, and then that was it. She she was she was a tank. Yeah, a breathing tank. She would yeah she was a vessel for God. Uh. <laughs> then the oxygen thingamabob blows up. It's yeah. the thing that provides oxygen to the colony. So we got a bit of a problem here, not having oxygen anymore. Um. And it's kind of a a, a B plot, I don't know. And there's this other guy, 
who's having really strange hallucinations about fetuses and vaginas. Yes. Uh, turns out another guy, the Hebrew Hammer, is Hebrew having Hammer. similar hallucinations. Yeah. And they say it's because of the oxygen in the whatever, wherever the hell they really were. Uh, yeah. was very thin, so they were more prone to hallucination. They were in their uh, space colony, and certainly not an abandoned factory somewhere in the <laughs> in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the guy who first mentioned his hallucinations. He's putting on a play about Santa Claus. Yes. To make everybody feel good before they all die or something like that. He's trying to lift spirits because apparently everyone's going insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Martian shows up and he's like quiet and Martian-y. Uh, and he gets hooked into playing Santa Claus. Uh, he does some magical things. The woman gives birth to the 2001 baby. And that fixes everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's Pretty basically sure that's the plot. <laughs> yeah. That's basically the plot. Hi, baby. Uh, good job explaining the plot because uh, can you not put the baby bill cheese in front of the camera, Eleanor? Thank you. Uh, because you're really good at explaining plots, but this week's movie, Christmas on Mars, yeah. this is boss level explaining a plot. Oh, thank you. Well, this is. That's what made it so annoying, because there were some interesting ideas, there were some interesting things that they were trying to reach, to, to, to do, kinda? Yeah. And there were some surprising okay, we're not talking people about, in there. Like, five guys in an 8mm camera who want to make a movie and they have fucking no money, you know? I mean, they may not be a top band. But the Flaming Lips are a working band. They sell the albums and things like that. I'm sure they had more money to invest in this movie. I'm they, sure they could have worked a little harder than this movie. But, it looks, but to me, it looks like, well, we're just too cool for that, so we're not going to do it. And well, I found that really fucking annoying. Well, I would be remiss to not mention this. There is a documentary on the band The Flaming Lips, and it's called The Fearless Freaks. Because Wayne Cohen, the, the founder of the Flaming Lips, he has uh, siblings, and they would play together in the backyard and stuff, and they called themselves the Fearless Freaks when they were playing, and so that's the name of the documentary. And it was made, the documentary was made in like 2005 when they were still making this movie, and there is a scene in the documentary where you can see uh, Wayne Cohen hard at work building an insane space set in his backyard. And all of his fucking neighbors looking on, worried. 
because who the fuck is this crazy ass guy building a spaceship in his backyard? So, uh, if you like Christmas on Mars, go see the Fearless Freaks. That's a movie. So that's a thing. See, I feel it. it, it okay, it. There are some surprising people in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Some pretty surprising people. So number one, Adam Goldberg is in it. As far as I'm concerned, he's the only like the best actor in it. He was in Dazed and Confused. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was in Ed TV. And he was also the Hebrew Hammer, which was basically a Jewish uh, a black dynamite. And he's in this, and he has this long monologue where he's explaining his vision of this Nazi band in space outfits. And they're playing music, but they also have vaginas for heads. And there's a baby on the road in front of them, and they have to trample the baby. But the thing is, is that... Um, other actors making a film with no money and no budget and just doing it as a favor and it's in black and white and it's being, yeah, it, it was shot on film, yeah. you know, in someone's backyard. They would play that speech for laughs, but you can tell that Adam Goldberg is fucking trying. Yeah. And he's actually acting. And that's the, the part that I ended up loving the most because like, this is a ridiculous fucking monologue that you have been handed, but you are actually trying to act. And, like, uh, okay. fucking good for you, Adam Goldberg. But you have done a problem. good job with, with a ridiculous scene. But here's the problem, okay? Whenever something like this... When you have a movie like this, and then somebody comes along and acts, it only shows how fucking bad everybody else's acting is. It's well, like the... if you accidentally wipe a spot on the kitchen wall and it's now fucking clean. Yeah. Well, so you have well, to clean I... the whole damn wall. That's it. Well, here, let's talk about that because there are three famous people in this. There's Adam Goldberg. There's Steve Burns, a.k.a. Steve from Blue's Clues. We'll get back to him. And SNL alumni... Fred Armisen. And then there's also the guy who played the captain. And I looked him up because he was he seemed to actually be having fun yeah. with his role. So I wanted to know it's who just, he was. Oh, it's just that his dialogue was so fucking horrible. It was horrible, but he was having fun with it, and I appreciated that. You know, yeah. like, you know you have a shit role, and you're just having fun with it. I felt like when he was on... Like, for most of this, it felt like an artsy student film. But then when he showed up, I'm like, oh, my God, this is Samurai Cop. Yeah. You know, this is this is suddenly a trauma film, and I appreciate you. So I wanted to know who he was. And his name was, in the credits, Mark DeGroffenreed. And I looked him up on IMDb. <laughs> He's only done one thing. And it's this, which is... Christmas on Mars. And so I go, okay, well, I'll Google Mark DeGraffenreed because there can't be that many Mark DeGraffenreeds, right? That has to be an original name. Okay, so, so I didn't Google him. I binged him because I use Bing. So I binged Mark DeGraffenreed, and according to Bing and according to Google, Mark DeGraffenreed is a famous 
Mormon sculptor. Wow. Okay. I never thought I would hear those two words go together like that. Mormon <laughs> sculptor. You know, hold on, hold on. I'm going to have to work with this a little while to be able to fully... Mormon sculptor. A famous Mormon sculptor and painter. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that Mark de Graffenreid, the famous Mormon sculptor and Mormon painter, is that the same motherfucker who sang the N-word and cussing in this goddamn Flaming Lips movie? <coughs> because Again, in my mind, I'm thinking... In my mind, I'm thinking no Mormon would be, like, cussing and saying the F word in a Flaming Lips movie. You but know on the other hand, you but on the other do. hand, you got to cross-reference with that area's Long John Silvers. That's a good point, yeah. Because Wayne Cohen... Somebody's you know, got to cover the shift. Shit, he was probably, like, the manager at the fucking Long John Silvers. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, uh, we gotta make more fucking hush puppies, god damn it. Now everybody be quiet, I'm sculpting John Smith or whatever the fuck. <laughs> so I'm not sure if this is but also Mark DeGraffenreed, that's not a common <clears throat> name. So I can't imagine there's two Mark DeGraffenreeds. Yeah. You know? So I don't fucking know which Mark DeGraffenreed was in this film. So, okay. So I'd apart give him a call. From... Just for the fuck of it, I'd give him a call. Maybe. So Might apart... be his dad. Maybe. So apart from the famous people, Adam Goldberg from Dazed and Confused, Steve Burns from Blues Clues, and Fred Armisen from SNL, and also possible famous Mormon Mark DeGraffenreid, everyone else in this movie is in the fucking Flaming Lips. Yeah. So when you're saying that, like, oh, the acting is shit, yeah, that's because, it, like, uh, oh, uh, that space, that spaceman is the bassist. That spaceman plays drums. That guy that can't act plays the keyboards and gets the acid. Fucking, I don't know. That guy's on heroin. Flaming lips. Not the best actors in the world. Yeah, but okay, but even look at this picture that I threw up for the segment. Okay. Yeah. That's a good-looking picture. So why did the is. fucking rest of the movie look like this? No Why idea. did they only use stupid-ass interspersed color from time to time? That's an interesting-looking Martian outfit. Natasha kept saying, why the close-ups of mouths and faces? Yeah. Yeah, it was creepy, but the best I could muster is, this is essentially a student film. Yeah. This is a this is a black and white super cheap shot on 8 millimeter fucking first time film from a bunch of weirdos that know each other. And Steve from Blues Clues. <laughs> okay, so there have been three hosts of Blues Clues. First there was Steve. He was the original host and they they interviewed a bunch of different hosts. And, and they just didn't find the right person. And then they interviewed this young, like, 22-year-old named Steve Burns. He had super long hippie hair, and he just acted in a way where it's like, 
he's friends with you, but also he was kind of cool and kind of aloof, almost like he didn't give a fuck. And they liked him, and so he cut his hair, and he was the host of Blue's Clues for like four years. And then he quit, and the reason why he quit was, like some, like a bunch of people, like a bunch of white dudes, when they get to their 20s and 30s, they start fucking balding rapidly, and Steve Burns didn't want to go bald slowly in front of a camera. Yeah. So he quit, and they got another host named Joe, and Joe was host for a long time, like twice as long, three times as long as Steve from Blue's Clues, but everyone still loved Joe. Now there's a third host, and he's like this uh, Asian guy. What's his name? You don't remember? I don't remember. But now, if he has trouble, he calls both Steve and Joe, so it's kind of like a Blue's Clues-averse. Blue's Clues-averse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. We're going to have to go back a couple of pages. Motherfucker quit his job because he was losing his hair? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he came back a couple of times when was Joe was host. Was he a sculptor? I don't know who I don't know who the fucking Mormon sculptor is. I tried to find a picture. You might want to ask Steve about that. I tried to find a picture of Mark DeGaffin Reed, the famous Mormon sculptor, and there was a picture, and it's like I couldn't tell if that was the same guy from this grainy black and white flaming lips movie because they're both doughy white guys. But it's like I can't tell if they're the same doughy white guy, so I don't know if. Steve might have the golden plates. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so so I love the fact that Steve from Blue's Clues is in this because um, I never saw Blue's Clues until I started dating Natasha and uh, and uh, I started being a parent to Emerald. And then I started watching Blue's Clues. Uh, when I started working at the bookstore, Blue's Clues was still on TV and Joe was the host. And one thing that I would regularly hear, which would always make me feel better and cheer me up, is when I would hear people say, yeah, Joe is okay, but Steve is so much better than Joe. Oh, man. I love Steve and not Joe. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just so much better than my older brother, right? Oh, wait, we're talking about Blue's Clues. (laughs) Hold on. We're not talking about my older brother, Joe, who just started a YouTube channel because I can't have my own thing. Fucking. Okay. But I really like the fact that Steve is in this because everyone loves Steve and fuck Joe. Yeah. Fuck Joe. Sure, Joe has been around longer, but Steve was just better. Yeah. Steve was just better, cooler, Funnier, fuck Joe. Steve is the best. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Steve from Blues Clues, okay. and also fucking Fred Armisen is in this. Yeah, that was that was a that was a huge surprise, and he was like the first one who popped up, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I, I I might not yeah. necessarily recognize Steve. I didn't watch it. I was yeah. Involved. I kept going like, is that Steve? No, that's not Steve. Is that Steve? No, that's not. Is that Steve? No, that's not Steve. But once I heard his voice, I'm like, shit, that's Steve. I know that's Steve. That's 100% Steve because that's how much Blue's Clues I had to watch with my two oldest. 
So like Emerald Fred Armisen was the first famous face to pop up in this, and and I looked at yep. him and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing in this?" That's exactly what you said. I can tell you what he's doing in this. I put a lot of thought into this because at first, probably like you, I was thinking, "Why was Fred Armisen in this?" Oh, well, I figured it out. Anytime a musician says his name three times. Fred Armisen appears like Candyman. Oh, I think. And there's a lot of famous people who can be summoned. Every time a movie studio says, "Our next film is a musical," bam, James Corden is right behind you. Yeah. I heard you were going to make a little movie. Pip, pip, boom. Suddenly, James Corden appears. You know what? We have enough money together. I think we should make a Christian film, and I think that this Christian film should be about. Holy shit! Why is Kevin Sorbo suddenly in my room? <laughs> Holy crap! How did you get here, Kevin? So uh, there's probably more, but that's all I could think of. If you can think of any other celebrities that just magically appear that can just be summoned that can be summoned yeah. yeah uh uh richard simmons could always be summoned but only by david letterman david letterman had the power to summon a richard simmons whenever he wanted and a regis philbin yeah david letterman could always summon a regis and uh, Richard Simmons. Yeah. Um, Those are individual honey, powers. That's not for everybody. Yeah, that's not for everybody. That's not for everybody. Honey, what's it, your cat's name? Miso? Is it a boy or a girl? Boy? Okay. I was going to say, it might be a lesbian, because literally it's licking the box that it's laying down on. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. That gets into... A weird area. Yeah, so the rest of the cast is primarily members of the Flaming Lips. And I, I like this film. I assumed it was going to be absolute shit and it was going to be the worst. And it kind of is, but it feels like just like a low-budget <coughs> labor of love, like in an Ed Woodian way, where it's like, yeah, the movie kind of sucks, but also maybe the reason why the movie <coughs> is made should hold as much weight as the quality of the movie, which is why I can appreciate like a Birdemic or uh, uh, The Room or a Born into Mafia. Yeah, you're not, no, you're not a lot of times, on this one here. Because nobody, because like they didn't make this movie, the Flaming Lips didn't make Christmas on Mars to be a fucking blockbuster, you know? Yeah. And so like, it's weird as shit, but, like, I appreciate Christmas on Mars more than, like, a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Because, like, that was made by an entire fucking, well, uh, like, a, yeah. like, a whole group of executives just to sell toys and make money overseas. But, like, this movie was just made for, like, uh, uh, the Flaming Lips specifically said, we're not going to show this in movie theaters. We're going to show it at concert venues, 
and we're going to have uh, uh, colored lights, and then when it snows at the end, we'll have giant snow machines so that everyone will be snowed in. Uh, there'll be snow everywhere when, when it snows in the film, and it's like, okay, that's weird as shit, and I appreciate that because you're not making this film to make money. Yeah. This, this, you didn't make this to be bankable, and I doubt anyone made money off of this. And like, okay, so I appreciate that, you know? It sucks, don't get me wrong. This is a sucky movie, but I appreciate it in, in, in that, I don't know, they worked hard. It, it, and it uh, took them like no, six that's years. I, I don't think they worked nearly <laughs> hard enough. Yeah. Again, we're not talking about Jimmy got a camera for Christmas. You know, this is the Flaming Lips. They got the money. They, they do got have more the money, money than shows in this. They do have the money. They could have made a much more expensive film. And this I'll give picture you that. proves color existed. Yeah. Yeah, and the space vaginas make no sense. A lot of space vaginas. Yeah. So, so I, I'm gonna have to give this one a thumbs down. Sorry. That's okay. I give I give it a lazy Orange Cassidy thumbs up, which is this. It's a thumb laying down. <laughs> so this is how Orange Cassidy, my favorite wrestler from AEW, gives a thumbs up because he's so lazy. He can't get the thumb up, so he just goes like this. The, that's my uh, Orange Cassidy thumbs up for this film. It wasn't deep hurting, but I don't know if I'd watch it again. So, there's... It wasn't, it wasn't deep hurting, no. Yeah, because you said last week that, that you heard it was going to be deep hurting. It yeah. wasn't deep hurting, but like it's also not the best Christmas movie in the world. Um, okay. So that's this week's film. Now it's time for next week. Next week's big reveal. Are you ready for this, Bunny? I hope so. Okay. Next week, we're doing a double feature. Okay. And I feel like before I say the names of these films, that there's a good chance that you'll know what movies I'm talking about. Because I was wondering, should we do the first film or should we do the second film? Well, we got to do the first film. Let's do the first film and maybe next week we can do a second film. No, but there's other Christmas movies that I want to do. Maybe we can do the first film this year and the second movie this year. And then I thought, no, I am not waiting until next year for Garbage Day. <laughs> God damn it. So next week, Double feature, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Okay. Boom. I've got both of them. I'll send you the links. That's what we're doing next week. I can't, we can't just watch Part 1 without seeing Garbage Day. <laughs> it is one of the best line reads just of all time. And so... There you go. Oh, nice. That's what we're doing next week, a Christmas horror movie double feature. And I think after that, we're going to do the bizarre Christmas movie, uh, Last Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. I saw it in 2009. It's a jukebox musical. It's a Christmas film. 
feature and the entire soundtrack is music from the band Wham. Oh my god, yeah. And it's got a weird twist at the end, which is just so fucking bizarre. It's a twist, and the twist is in the song. Okay, but that's two weeks away. Next week, double feature, a dumb, stupid, fun, fucking double feature, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. I believe, if I am not mistaken, that Silent Night, Deadly Night was the first horror movie I saw. Really? Okay. I think I was like 10, and it fucked me up. I'm pretty sure it was that. Because there's a few other, like, cheap 80s Santa Kills movies out there. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was Silent Night, Deadly Night that, like... Got all the press. Yeah, that I remember. I think that every holiday should have a horror movie. And we, we're not doing it this year, but I did find a, a gory horror movie just called Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Like, okay, I appreciate that. I appreciate yes. that. Every holiday should get one. You know? Like, like, Mother Earth is real, and she's out for revenge. Earth Day. <laughs> the Earth strikes back. You know, every holiday needs a horror movie. When is Eli Roth going to finally get out of his ass and do Thanksgiving? Yeah. From Grindhouse. Come on! We don't need another hostel. That's what <laughs> Tina Turner sang in the 80s. So that's next week. Our Christmas horror movie double feature, and I'm super excited about that. But now that I'm looking back at this week, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs... The Space Vaginas, The Blues Clues, The Raccoon Cities, The Garfield Movies. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. I think this has been a damn good episode. A damn good, a double damn. Ooh, a rare double damn. (laughs) We got a double damn here, everybody. That's Unprecedented, without <laughs> precedent, crazy. I feel the same way, but I didn't want to say anything. Cause you're the person who makes that distinction, and not me. And I didn't want to step on any toes. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams, and I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Give it a moment. 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 And you bazooka Joe flavored, and you bazooka Joe bubblegum flavored soda, and you gummy bear. That was sweet. That soda was actually surprisingly good. And the other mothers. And you other mothers. Thank you. Do 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 do. I'm sorry. I'm, I find myself rather proud that Maxwell made a bazooka Joe reference.
Jones? Well, uh, it, it, to be fair, they were just looking at what was in front of them. I have some. Uh, I bought some more cans of Bazooka Joe Bubblegum flavored soda, which is surprisingly really effing good. <laughs> this is really good, and we're blown away. We're just drinking it now because we like it, and that's really weird, but... Uh, oh, hi, Gaspacho. Eleanor, do. This is Gaspacho. Gaspacho is purring. Hold on, let's... I wonder if they can pick that up. I think you can hear that. Oh, we'll have to do a playback and see if people can hear that, because that would be neat. Anyway... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do